Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, week two edition after... Finally got some games under our belt, so that means I've got Alexis Cubit here, our high school sports reporter, as we chat a little bit about what happened in week one. I think the biggest thing that I can bring up is the fact that I ate a lot of crow after thinking that Coronado would get a big victory over Estacado. Matadors and Joe Cooley proved me wrong, baked a, baked a big old thing of crow on Saturday, ate it all, and it still smells like crow in my mouth. I don't know about everyone else because we all picked Coronado to win that one, but Joe Cooley and the Matadors kind of showed us right. In all fairness, it was a, a really good game. I mean, it, it. You were there. Yeah, it literally, like, you go from, you know, uh, Coronado coming back in the second half and taking mm-hmm. the lead, and then, like, oh, nope, nope. Yep. Estacado just scored. Oh, yep. nope. Coronado just scored. Okay, well, I mean, Estacado just scored again with mm-hmm. their second string, and I use that term loosely because of how close they were, yeah. according to Coach Cooley, but second string quarterback who got in one series before that in the third quarter and throws this pass to Kiki Murray. And it's like, okay, well, we'll see, you know, what Coronado can do. And, you know, just Estacado's defense coming up again and getting that literal last-second stop. So it was it was a crazy game for sure. It's one of those, as much as I hate to use cliches, something that Hollywood could not write any better. Right. I mean, literally, like you said, uh, you got uh, Sims, is that correct? Yep, Colby Sims. Colby Sims comes in uh, because I believe it was like a – I can't remember what the injury was, but uh, the original starter, Jalen Dobbins, got injured. Cramps. or uh, Cramps, thank yeah. you, yeah. Sometimes it happens. It gets hot in West Texas, and yeah. you just got to hydrate, unfortunately, for Jalen. But he had a guy that was ready, as Coach Cluley talked to you and me about. They both got first-team reps at times because of the competition. So Mr. Sims was ready. And willing to go in and certainly made a very, very good throw. Was able to put, Cor- uh, pardon me, was able to get Estacado ahead of Coronado. And then uh, almost fitting that the Estacado defense kind of ended that one just because of the way that that side of the that side of the football has just been so good for them right. the last couple of years. Right, definitely. And it was one of those things where because of the way the game went, you just held your breath when Sawyer released the ball. And it's yeah. like, okay. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, and I thought at one point they intercepted it, but yep. I was talking to Randy Rosetta, who's also in the press box with me, yep. and it was just kind of a, a incomplete pass. So, you know, it was one of those things where it's just like, you know, uh, you tried and you did, you know, all that you could do. It just happened to be that Estacado was just the better team that night. And I also want to say I was, I was pleased with uh, what I saw from Jalen Dobbins, too. You know, we talked a lot about Jeremiah just because he's, you know, the running back and he's yep. good also. And then obviously we're talking about Cole because he made the game-winning pass. But Jalen Dobbins also had a, a really good game there, uh, 252 yards passing, one interception. So, you know, that their offense is – I mean, they, they're balanced. You know, they have a good defense and they have a good offense. In terms of what this kind of means going forward, I know we'll talk a little bit about it as we kind of preview week two games Clearly a tough one for Coronado because they've got Lubbock Cooper in Woodrow. That's going to be a tough one for them. In terms of Estacado, I guess how does this kind of set up for them, just the way that they've kind of got things going for the rest of the season for them? I think it's a huge momentum push just in terms of last year they lost it, 
you know, and still had a good year. This year they won it. I know that sideline was absolutely crazy. I was up against the clock and made made deadline, just throwing that out there. Um, but I was trying Show to, off. you know, <laughs> get to everybody. And it was, you know, the emotion was high and everybody was so excited. And mm-hmm. it just had a really good feel to the game. So I think that, um, I think that they already kind of had like a chip on the shoulder because they're that just kind of blue-collar kids where they're just going to go out there and work. Um, but that for sure will give them a huge confidence push just because, you know, it's, it's a 5A team. Coronado mm-hmm. is not by any means a bad team at all. They're they are really absolutely good not. too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just for them to get that, I think they're going to they're gonna take that and run with it. Absolutely. And Joe Cooley and them uh, have Pampa going into this week. You got them at 7 p.m. Pampa team that uh, will be just as offensive as uh, Coronado has been their uh, throwing passing team, however you want to call them, up-tempo. Certainly it should be an interesting one for the Matadors as they head on the road for the first time. I know uh, you kind of mentioned it in your column on Monday. Uh, Friendship and Monterey got some pretty big wins, both uh, in, in their own right. Certainly Monterey going off on a, on a much better note. Uh, it seems like they scored all the points that they wanted to score against Odessa High the last several years. And uh, Friendship finally got the uh, first season opening victory for uh, Jay Northcutt. Yeah, definitely. That was obviously. And then the way that they did it. Yes. You know, a shutout where mm-hmm. everybody was looking at Donovan Smith, and rightly mm-hmm. so. He was the number one passing leader in our area so mm-hmm. far. So, um just throwing that out there, but when I mean, you have a defense that was able to keep Amarillo from scoring, I don't even know if the Amarillo had 200 yards of total offense. I'll have to go back and check mm-hmm. that. But you know, just what they were able to do between you know Colton Anderson and you know all those guys. So it was uh, it was a good win for them. And then you had Monterey, who uh, you know came in to Odessa or went to Odessa rather and. Got that win um, without D. Lacey, by the way, right? Which just goes to show the depth, as we had talked about with exactly. Ty Williams and everyone else, Tyree Tipton. They, they certainly have a lot of depth. It's just a matter of as Coach uh, Hutchinson has been telling you so many times. It's just a matter of just kind of getting them all to work together. But they certainly did that day, right? And so the other thing he's talking about, just kind of the team chemistry. Obviously, a lot of these guys have been playing together for a while. Um, I actually just talked to him earlier for our, the preview that'll come out on Thursday, and. You know, these guys are, they're hungry, they're mm-hmm. they are wanting to get that win. You know, I think last year really kind of was a, for lack of a better term, come to Jesus moment maybe yeah. a little bit. And so now this season they're kind of like, you know, that's not going to happen again. They're not overlooking Abilene Wiley by any means yep. coming into this week. Uh, Abilene Wiley hasn't won a game since, I believe, October of 2017. But Coach Hutchinson has a lot of respect uh, for Coach Sandifer over there. Um, you know, I'm still new to the area. So I, legendary coach. Yeah. Just know that legendary coach. Yeah. So, and I mean, all, all respect given. So, yes. you know, they're not looking over these guys. And I think that last year kind of helped to do that because they only won by a touchdown last yep. year against them. So, you know, they're coming in this week and like I said, not underestimating anybody and just between the depth and the chemistry and just that desire to want to get better, you know, Monterey is setting themselves up really well. Well, one thing that they'll certainly want to do, which is the key to victory that they had a couple times when they did beat Wiley, was turn them over a lot more than they obviously give the ball up, and that will certainly put you in a good position. Anything else you kind of wanted to mention from week one before we switch over to week two? No, just a, a good week of, of football. It's a nice way to start with some excitement there and some big wins. It's a it's a a good a good way to start the season. It gives a, a lot of hope for the, the rest of the week, or the seasons, rather. Nice little appetizer, if you want to call it that, too. Yeah. But the, the biggest thing is, as you and I kind of mentioned last week, 
it's always good to talk about games rather than just what can you do. And I think right. we find out what a lot of teams can do. Certainly, Estacado with the biggest statement, at least from my perspective, since maybe uh, Seminole got upset by Lubbock High a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a, a really big win for the Westerners. And certainly, obviously, they're kind of looking to kind of get things going at some point. So we'll see what goes on for them. But kind of switching to week two, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the area stat leaders just uh, I guess maybe the top three and then of course if you want to know the rest of the numbers you can read it in the newspaper on Thursday uh, Alexis kind of obviously gets all the stats as we've done before and we put them in the newspaper and I guess who's our passing leader going into this oh technically you kind of mentioned it so spoiler alert <laughs> right so Donovan would be up there with 330 yards Donovan's myth the friendship uh-huh and then you have Corian Bailey there at Monterey coming yep. in second at 306 Christian Huey third with 270. My man at sundown. Nine for 17 with no interceptions. So, yep. I mean, I think you're kind of, as far as quarterbacks go, I think they're pretty much what we figured. As far as who's kind of up there, you also have, you know, Sawyer and Jalen yep. up there for mm-hmm. the top five or six there for passing. Um, and so I will say this also, going back to that Coronado game, Sawyer did have a good game. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, he, that, that, and unfortunately, that's what's getting lost sometimes. Right. You always see the loss. But then, of course, there were some good things that you can take away from it. It's just the one thing that you will take away is that they took the loss and their own yeah. one going into the Lubbock Cooper game, which we'll go into. But uh, certainly, as you – I mean, you watch. They're two high-level teams right. probably uh, – I know everyone, as you kind of mentioned, will look at the Class 5A, Class 4A. They both have very talented athletes. They showed that. And not only that, but they showed that that the athletes that played on that field show that they can face adversity and they can kind of get over that. Because with those four lead changes, I believe, in the fourth quarter, maybe Mm -hmm. the second half, I can't remember which one you told me when you got back. But just all those lead changes, just a wild game, and they were able to kind of finish it off in a very exciting fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but. Yeah, so getting back to the the area leaders, um, no surprise again. Jeremiah Dobbins right up there is the number one rushing leader with 201 yards. Estacado. Peyton McNutt there at Plainview coming in second with 184. Bulldogs. And Abraham Van Gundy of Rawls rolling, rounding out the top three with 175. And I think he's going to be a, a one that's going to stay in there because I remember seeing him probably halfway through the season. I remember mm-hmm. me and Mike Graham, a former sports reporter, wondering, Wow. Well, why, why didn't we see this? And it was because the, the stats just – It sometimes it's tough to get stats. We appreciate yeah. it anytime you send these to sports at LubbockOnline.com. But uh, it there's good performances everywhere, so we certainly want to highlight those. And right there is just a very good example of a, of a kid at a small town mm-hmm. school that is doing some big things for them. Yeah, and I remember uh, during baseball, Abraham had a good season. So he's just yes. kind of an all-around athlete for mm-hmm. Rawls. So shout-out to Rawls and Abraham Van Gundy mm-hmm. there. Uh, Blake Bucklew. Fourth in rushing, new home, new home, um, and then Tiger also a Chambers. baseball player, right? <laughs> I was going to say yeah. multi-sport athletes. Yes. yes, lots of them. Throwing that out there, it's a good thing. Uh, and then Ty J Chambers there at Littlefield, 153 yards rushing would round out uh, that aspect. I'm interested to see the wide receivers right now because I know there are some good ones. Ty Williams was probably the one that I thought would be up there, and probably I'm kind of interested to see if anyone from Coronado got on there. Funny you should say that, yeah. because John Hernandez, one seventy four, that's my man, would lead all of the the receivers in the area out of yep. the results we've gotten so far, yep. which is not surprising. I remember yep. talking to Coach Parr during the summer, and he says John is really good at explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And I heard that, and I said, okay, you know, I kind of banked that in the back of my mind. Then yep. you go out and see him, and this kid runs for like a 56 yard, mm-hmm. you know, catch, or yep. I think it was a touchdown, maybe I can't mm-hmm. remember. But I mean, so yeah. 
he's really explosive. I mean, just yeah, kind of a kind of a flashy player, but I don't say that in a negative way. It's just kind of like you could tell his highlight reel is going to have a lot of, of good stuff mm-hmm. in there. Big plays. Right. And then, you know, naturally if Christian Huey's up there, Gus Davis of Sundown right there at number two with 161, uh, Donovan Hill there at Monterey, 148, yep. TJ Steele, another one from Estacado, Estacado. Mm-hmm. 132, and then Jonathan Davis from La Mesa rounding out the top five, the 108. That's interesting. La Mesa kind of throwing the ball. They used to be a huge uh, option running team last several years, but I guess uh, Rodney Sims and company are kind of turning things around there, so that's kind of fun to watch. Unfortunately, they took a tough loss to San Angelo Lakeview right. in week one, but I'm pretty sure they're going to turn things around. Rodney Sims certainly has those kids playing really well going into, going into this season. Yeah, and then they lost um, – I'm blanking on his name. I think it was James Fernandez, I want to say. I cannot remember. Putting me on the spot, so certainly we'll both be wrong at some point. I'm he sure someone a, will email us. Yeah, he was a track guy. So if you yeah. remember, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we talked about him earlier this season, how he might be moving. So I think he actually left. Um, so, you know, it's nice to see some other guys kind of step up there for La Mesa. Yeah. Uh, now moving to the defensive side of the ball. Because that's what everyone likes to hear about. Absolutely. You have Dylan Jordan of New Deal up there with 24 tackles. Athlete. Which was an yep. amazing performance. Another one. Uh, he also took the, the trip to UTEP we yep. saw on Twitter. We're yep. watching, guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> UTEP will be visiting Texas Tech for those that listen to the Red Raider podcast, so you can always get that information there, too. So That'll be fun. Yes. Then, of course, I mean – Estacado just had a week. What can we say? Yes. Tadrian Ward, Cedric O'Bert, Colbert, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, top two, three, and respectively, Tadrian with 19, Cedric with 18. Then also tied for third with Cedric Colbert there, uh, Alonzo Asensio from Florida with 18 tackles. So another one. No, um, which is Which is interesting to see because Florida doesn't have much height. At least last year they didn't. They got speed, though. I'll yeah. give them that. They, they're very speedy. Say, so that's kind of a cool deal for them. And then right underneath is another Florida kid, Matthew Morales, with 16 tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel Zubiate uh, from Seminole, 15 tackles, who also tied with Larry Eaton from New Deal yep. with 15. Another um, athlete there from the old Lions. But just goes to show, as I mentioned, I know you had a little bit of 5A there. You have some other guys that can kind of play as well, but it, it, it just goes to show there are players everywhere, small school, big school, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They all play 11-man football, and they all play at a high level, and that kind of goes to show that you have all that, whether it be a Floyd Data, an Estacado, a Coronado, a Friendship, or anything else like that. Yeah, and then speaking of, of Seminole, we forgot to mention Coach Ty Palmer getting his first win. Yes, Obviously a, there you go. A good statement win for Seminole also with mm-hmm. the, that um then interceptions, of course, it's going to be kind of a hodgepodge just because it's Yeah, because it's one. Yeah, Right. So you did have three guys with two interceptions. Yeah. You got Eric Johnston from Florida, hmm. Ethan Ramirez from Smyre, and Keaton Pearson from New Home. Okay. All with two interceptions and then a bunch of guys with one interception. And the only reason I know this stat is just because I spoke to Chip, uh, to Chip Darden, the uh, first-year head coach at Lubbock Cooper, who we'll have in our second segment that we talked to uh, Jordan Kirkpatrick with a huge pick six Mm -hmm. in their game that got it from uh, Fort. Well, they they were up 17 of 14. Uh, Isaiah Johnson scored the touchdown right after that. Then their defense got, well, their defense got the big stop there. That's how they scored. And then after that, they got the big pick six from uh, Jordan Kirkpatrick. So certainly that was a big play for them, uh, which turned out to be a 45 to 20 
a victory for the Pirates, but at one point it was 17 to 14 late in the third quarter, a little bit early in the third quarter. So it was a tough one there for them, but he was able to get that victory. So we'll talk to him a little bit later. Yeah, and just kind of adding on that, I know we'll get into that Coronado Cooper game in a little bit, yes. but I thought it was interesting. I went earlier and talked to him, and one of the things they have up there in the, the coach's office is mm-hmm. a big board yes. of just their goals and stuff. And then every week it's kind of, you know, okay, they check them off and stuff, and they put like a I think it's a little pirate or something like that yes. next to one. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like a, it reminded me of vision boards. Like you know how you make the vision board as far as like what you want to accomplish in yes. your life. Kind of reminded me of that. So that's kind of a cool deal. Sometimes you got to visualize it, or sometimes you got to. As a uh, some guy named Chris Beard says, speak it into existence. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, so last category we have with quarterback sacks. Once again, Papa blew it there at Estacado with yep. four. Uh, Jeremiah Essex there at Estacado also with two. Abraham Van Gundy, once again, with two quarterback sacks. Then you have uh, Sergio Salinas, also of of Rawls, with two quarterback sacks. And then everybody else with one. (laughs) Lots of big plays. And, of course, as uh, mentioned before, if you want to check out the full list, you can pick up the Thursday edition of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, along with the preview for the Monterey and Abilene Wiley game that uh, Alexis was alluding to. Speaking of Monterey Wiley, I guess what can we kind of expect from that one, especially after that big win from Monterey that showed that they can really score uh, the football, at least against Odessa High, which had, as uh, Wayne Hutchinson kind of mentioned, they kind of kicked their tail the last couple of years. So I'm pretty sure that they were thinking about that as they were kind of playing mm-hmm. that game. Yeah, I think for sure you have a team now that it's kind of like blood in the water. You know, they're feeling really good about themselves um, I don't think it'll be one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, where they're going to, you know, look over Wiley. I think they're going to come in here and say, okay, you know, we can do that to Odessa, who we lost to, you know, imagine what we can do to Abilene yeah. Wiley, who mm-hmm. we beat last year. Um, and then just, you can't you can't go wrong with depth. Yeah. You know, when you have kid like D. Lacey and then Ty Williams coming in at the running back spot, you've got Corian Bailey throwing you know, to Devontae Hill and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those guys. There's quite a few other receivers, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have that, and then you have a defense where Ty Williams also plays in the secondary, I believe Coach Hutchinson said. Um, their front seven, you know, that starts with Zylus Johnson. Yep. Um, they have, you know, kids like Devlin Offutt, you know. So it, it's they're, – they're a pretty deep team. And like I was talking to Coach Hutch earlier and just saying, you know, this – they have the makings of basically winning quite a few games over the next few weeks, and so it'll be exciting to see kind of how that, that unfolds. Biggest thing I see is if they can kind of turn over Abilene Wiley, that's going to be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Wiley's going to be looking to run the football. That's what they're known for. Hugh Sandifer is known as a tactician. His teams do not turn the ball over, so mm-hmm. they don't hurt themselves, and if Monterey's able to do that, I think they'll be in a good position to win, but in terms of that, let's uh, switch over to the game that we've been talking about the whole time. Lubbock Cooper hosting Coronado. Coronado 0-1 after a, a tough loss to Estacado. Estacado again once, uh, like I said, proved us all wrong. So certainly they're in the uh, captain's chair, so to speak. But obviously they'll be a little bit humble about it. Coronado on the other side of the of the token is going to be in a not not necessarily a good mood, but certainly one where you could potentially start the season 0-2 if you're not playing your best ball going into Friday night. Right, and that's why for me, I 
Don't ask me to give a prediction, please. Oh, I will. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult because on one end you have a Lubbock Cooper team that's feeling good about where they are, especially mm-hmm. getting you know Coach Chip Darden's first win as a head coach. But then you have a Coronado team that you know they're not happy about the way they lost. They yep. had a good effort in the second half to try yep. to come back, obviously came up short. But then you figure with the kind of athletes they have, they have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to want to come out strong. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, do you pick the – you know, the happy team that's trying to ride the momentum, or do you pick the team that's, you know, scratching their way not to be 0-2? So that should be another. I mean, Coronado, their schedule is stacked, but the way that they mm-hmm. did it, I mean, you have some some really good games. It's interesting, though, because if, uh, depending on what happens, the result on Friday night, uh, Lubbock Cooper will be playing Friendship the next week, so mm-hmm. that's going to be a tough one for them as they go from a Class 5A playing a Class 6A, however you want to look at it. I honestly right. think they're all on the same plane, frankly, but... Um, I'm going to have to go with the home team, Lubbock Cooper, just because it's at home. They've been playing well. You have a lot of uh, continuity with Chip Darden moving mm-hmm. over from the offensive coordinator spot to the head coaching spot. Clearly, the offense is working. They scored 45 points against a very good Andrews squad. Uh, had 17, uh, l- like I said, about 930 into the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So offense wasn't working there, but the thing that really kind of saved him was a defense, and I think that's going to be the difference in this one is Lubbock Cooper's defense and with Jordan Kirkpatrick. And uh, not only that, but then you got some other guys as well that can really kind of milk the clock like an Isaiah Johnson, a Jacob Dennis, the running back position. I think that's going to be huge for Lubbock Cooper. So I'm, I'm, I'm already putting it out there. I think Lubbock Cooper's got a good chance to win this one. And then the other interesting thing, I was kind of looking over the stats of Coach Darden said, Nehemiah Martinez did a little receiving too. He did. He He's a really good athlete. I know everyone remembers him as a running back mm-hmm. uh, for the Lions at New Deal. That's just where they needed him because at the time when you got a DK Blaylock or a Dylan Jordan, I mean, you had so many guys there. You just wanted to put your best athletes out there, and the best thing they could do is put Nehemiah Martinez at uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was a defensive back and running back at the mm-hmm. time because that's okay. what accentuated his uh, skill set. But right now, certainly, he could be a really good uh, wide receiver. Or if you want to make him a running back and you can kind of slot him out or throw some screen passes to him, he certainly has the ability to make some plays in the open space. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops his game because last year he was obviously on the JV squad due right. to transferring from New Deal. So we'll see uh, what he's able to do in his final year. Yeah, definitely. I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to that game. So if I, if I have to choose, I'm going to go. For what it's worth, you have to choose at some point because you got to yeah, make a pick. So that's true. That's true. So you can flip-flop like some people do, like Mike. <laughs> Not saying that he did, but. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. Oh, jeez. Okay. I'm going to go Coronado. There you go. What the heck. All right. There you go. Have fun uh, going to Woodrow, as everyone knows that you made that pick. So yeah. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> that. True. Enjoy that. So, But like oh, I yes. said, it should be a good one no matter what. As as I said before, uh, Estacado certainly uh, kind of used my motivation Monday. So I like to talk about it. I'm a free motivator. So mm-hmm. picked Estacado to lose. They won. So we'll see what happens as we both pick the opposite team. So we'll see which one wins. Somebody's going to be right. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> and, and we'll see if it's me or it's you. And maybe there will be a little bit of a friendly wager on the line. So we'll We'll see what happens going into the next podcast. But anything else you wanted to mention? I know there were a couple of other games. Abernathy Sundown's a really mm-hmm. good one. Bryson Daly and company trying to obviously go off a, a really good season. Now they're a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Sundown has a very explosive offense with, as you mentioned, Christian Huey at the uh, helm of all of that. And then you got Gus Davis as a really good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's interesting also about Abernathy, too, I wouldn't 
necessarily say they're they're young. I mean, they do have a lot of young players, but the thing that Coach Daly was able to do last season is get a lot of those guys playing time Yeah, just because they got up so much in some games. And even, you know, against, um, who was that, Canadian, I think it was, you had uh, Avery Clarkson, the younger brother of Easton Clarkson, who mm-hmm. was really good for them last year, you know, got in there at the running back spot. Uh, Jake Ayers coming back, um, you know, just a lot of different guys. The DeAnda Cousins, by the way, just want to throw that out there for the longest time. I thought uh, they were brothers, but they're cousins yep. um, coming back there, the Trevino. So yep. um, you do have some youth. Obviously, they're not as experienced as last year with those guys, but you do have some a little bit of experience coming back. So I think that that should be a good one there against uh, Coach Cummings and Sundown. Um, other games kind of looking at Seminole goes to Idaloo. Should also be another good one. Again, like we mentioned, both of those teams are coming in one and zero. You know, maybe finding their rhythm a little bit. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. Also, awesome. Well, certainly a lot of good games going into this one. You can check out all the information starting with Thursday, where we're going to have our Monterey Abilene Wiley preview. That'll be at Plains Capital Park at Lowry Field, seven p.m. Of course, you can check that out on uh, I believe Fox 34 news now if I'm not mistaken I, I'm pretty sure it's it's that one I apologize if it's not but uh, it's usually on there I believe it's on tape delay on some days but you can check that out there and then of course you can go to lubbockonline.com to get the recap or lonestarvarsity.com for all the sports stuff around the South Plains related to high school and then of course Thursday we'll also have our stats package and then Friday we'll have all the information on all of our on the radar games and all the previews to all the games that we will be at on Friday night. So for Alexis Cuban, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal with the second edition of the Lone Star Varsity podcast being week two. We'll leave you at that and we'll go into our second segment with first year head coach of Lubbock Cooper, Chip Darden. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, so you know what that means. We've got a phone-in guest, and that is, of course, the first-year head coach at Lubbock Cooper, Chip Darden, who got himself a pretty big victory over Andrews in his first game, that being 45-20. to 20. How's it going, Coach? Hey, it's good, Carlos. Appreciate you you having me on. Hey, well, uh, if anything, uh, certainly a big win for the Lubbock Cooper Pirates, who, of course, uh, we're expecting some big things uh, from from the old uh, Lubbock Cooper football program. But I guess just from your perspective, I know obviously it's always good to look at game tape after a win, but I guess just for you, just to get that first game over with, I guess uh, what, what were some learning lessons for you as a head coach before we kind of look at your team? Yeah, it, it was a, it, it was nice. Um, I think, I think all, all over the program, maybe nobody wanted to admit it, but a little bit of pressure mm-hmm. uh, was relieved after Friday night, uh, myself included, just, um, you know, kind of good to get that first one out of the way. And we knew, we knew the game we were in for against Andrews, but, um, I also think the kids coming off a 13 and one and, you know, I think it can, it, the, the theme this week has been winning, winning games is not easy. Yeah. And even after going 13 and one, maybe it seemed like it was easy, but there's nothing easy about it. So, um, I think getting that first one has let everybody relax a little bit. Um, there's a lot to learn from coaching wise and players wise. Um, you know, I think all of us probably, and definitely myself included, the nerves were going there early. And mm-hmm. once we kind of settled down, you know, I think learning how to, how to do that early on, do that a little bit quicker, letting the, the energy right there off the bat kind of 
settle down and get into the game and, and just, uh, you know, play football. And I, I think we did that. It just probably took a little bit longer that first game than hopefully it will down the road. I know uh, this will probably be a dumb question, but I guess how much have you been bu- bugging Coach Cat just in terms of just some uh, just some pointers or something about your first game? And obviously, if 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 he did kind of give you something, it it must have worked, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, and his deal that that he just keeps saying is just enjoy every part of it. You yeah. know, there's times that it's overwhelming with uh, you know certain stuff and some logistics, but just got to try to enjoy every aspect of it. And you know, he I learned so much from him and and from the football side of things but the day-to-day the the motivating kids and how treating people right and you know all that stuff he does and main thing i've been telling him is he needs to get out out to practice a little bit more but um, <laughs> he, he he's trying to give us a little bit of space but he he's been around and it, it's always good when he is and he's he's always helping us out course and uh, obviously scoring 45 points in your first game certainly a good deal for you considering you were on that side of the ball last year with uh, coach cad before he decided to kind of go full-time as an athletic director i guess what did you see from your offense before we go into some specific players i guess just generally that you kind of either uh, took away good things from or some bad things from that you that uh, you guys can have some learning lessons from going into week two yeah i think that the biggest thing carlos is uh we took care of the ball um, that's been a point of emphasis in the off season. We were, we were pretty loose with the ball last year and, yeah. and got away with it. Still were able to win games, but you know, we say that that's the stat, you know, we, we don't really care about yards and first downs that much that one of the biggest stats that, um, you know, is relative to wins and losses is turnover margin. And so we're, we're really, really concentrating on taking care of the ball. So I thought that was the biggest positive that the offense has. We didn't have any turnovers, um, and I think we're going to win some football games if we do that, if we take care of the ball. Yeah. Um, and then on the reverse side, you know, when the defense gets turnovers and scores a touchdown, mm-hmm. that's, you know, we, we've got a chance of being pretty successful. So offensively, turnovers, number one, there's still a lot to work on. I thought um, for the most part, we had a lot of guys that were what sometimes what we'll say is trying to find work. Um, we had receivers that the plays away from them and they're busting their tails to – to get a block, whether that block's going to end up being important or not. And um, so, so those, those two things, I think you could, are winning football plays, you know, things that, that win football games. But on the other side of it, we had way too many penalties. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had some, a lot of holding penalties and some of that is the first game kind of figuring out how it's going to be called. You know, the, it's the first game for everybody, first game for coaches, yep. players, refs, you know, everybody involved. So it it's always seems to be that way on that first game. But we, we kind of talked about it at halftime. Uh, we've got to adjust as the game goes on. We've got to know how it's going to be called and, and got to be able to adjust on the fly. And then we had some, some penalties that, you know, to be honest, were a few dirty penalties. Yeah. I don't think our kids are trying to be dirty, but um, – we're, we're they're unacceptable and we're gonna we're gonna fix those but that would be the biggest deal i think our stats ended us up with 12 penalties um and that that's just not gonna cut it mm-hmm. so that's that's one of the biggest things that we've got to improve on obviously when you watch film there's there's a bunch of little things but that's the biggest one that we've got to correct offensively you're listening to the lone star varsity podcast brought to you by the lubbock avalanche journal i'm carlos silva the sports editor for the newspaper talking with first year head coach chip darden who's coming off a 45 to 20 victory you talked a little bit about the offense generally i know kind of coming into this one i expected some big uh 
Some big things from Isaiah Johnson. He's obviously been a, a good running back for you all and obviously several other teams uh, around the area, but a, a kid that really kind of stood out in the statue, just kind of looking just kind of looking through it real quick, was Cooper LeFevre. I guess in terms of what he's been able to do, clearly a dual-thread guy, but I guess I didn't know much about him. I guess what can you tell me about uh, Cooper there, Coach? Yeah, he was our JV quarterback last year. Uh, got a lot of reps, you know, doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing with him, just like I said, with the, the offense in general, is we've really stressed taking care of the football. He's yep. got a really good arm. I mean, he can he can really throw it. Um, and I think a lot of times has been thought of as more of a pocket passer. But you know, if we line up and run forties, he's he's probably not going to be in the top ten or so. 10 or 15 on the team running 40s but he's kind of sneaky athletic mm-hmm. um he he has done a really good job in our scrimmage in the first game of you know that internal clock of maybe that first read's not there and you know we'd like him to get second third reads but it's also taking care of the ball by him running it right now um he's also made some good decisions throwing the ball away uh, you know, we we kind of talk about it offensively. That sometimes putting the ball is not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, sometimes a punt gives our defense a chance, and um, so I think that's the biggest thing with him. He's a football guy. He loves football. Um, he you know he he does all the camps and and tries to get better at his craft. You know, by himself, and then um, has done a really good job for us so far. And and we've got other guys too. Lane Bloomer, and then mm-hmm. our JV quarterback Holt Gibson battled him. Um, through spring and through the first couple weeks of fall camp, and I, I think that all that does is make Cooper better. You know, competition breeds success, and um, I think those guys competing against each other have, have made each other better. Well, that competition, and not only that, but then uh, two really good running backs that you've had, Jacob Dennis and Isaiah Johnson, when you kind of look at 13 uh, carries for over 100 yards and obviously several touchdowns. I guess what what have you seen from Isaiah in terms of him kind of taking his game to the next level and same with Jacob Dennis because obviously those guys were, were really a key in helping you all kind of take the pressure off of Cooper where he only had to throw 21 times in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you know, Isaiah, I think a lot of people know about him and he – he broke our school record um, for rushing touchdowns last year in a season, and he's just so physical. Um, and I, and Jacob is pretty similar in that too. You know, Jacob um, is a little bit bigger than Isaiah. Isaiah a little bit faster, but mm-hmm. um, I think one of the biggest things that we do also, Tyler Hairston, um, he may not have got quite as many carries the other night, and that's not necessarily by design, just kind of the way it happened with who's in the game. And then Nehemiah Martinez and Robert Mott carry the ball as well. We just think that all those guys kind of rotating in there eventually, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that we're fresh when we get to the third and fourth quarter. And sometimes that can wear on a team, you know, trying to tackle physical runners the whole night and, and our guys staying fresh. And this time of year, we don't want anybody to be carrying the ball 30 times. We'd like to spread it out if we can and, um, they're all doing a really good job. I think the other deal that those guys do is is they're pass protecting well. Um, that physicality I was talking about with Isaiah, he yeah. he doesn't just bring that when he runs the ball. He when he's pass protecting, when he's run blocking, just really physical. And I think that opens things up and and like you said, helps helps quarterback. It helps it helps O line. It helps everybody when when those guys are playing that way. Well, it's funny because uh, when you look at the score, 45-20, to 20, you kind of think it wasn't that close of a game. But 9-21 left in that third quarter, Andrews scores a, 
a touchdown and it's 17 14 but then all of a sudden you guys kind of turned it on isaiah scores a touchdown then as you mentioned your defense comes up with a big play jordan kirkpatrick with the pick six just kind of speak to that momentum turn and then just just the ability for those kids to obviously not kind of crumble under pressure in that first game because i know that there are those games in week one where coaches always talk about sometimes you get under those lights and sometimes it kind of gets to you yeah yeah no doubt the and jojo Jordan Kirkpatrick, his pick six was a huge play and yeah. really, really uh, got everybody going. But before that, um, the drive before that, Andrews actually in the fourth quarter had it down inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're about to take the lead, and we had three guys make a really good play. Lucas Martinez, Luke McCarthy um, caused a fumble on the quarterback, and Carter Bradley scooped it up and um, – and we went down and scored on that drive. Yep. And then uh, I think it was either the first play, the next drive or the second that Kirkpatrick got the pick six. So, you know, the, the momentum shift really happened when we got that turnover as they were driving inside the red zone. That was just, we give out each week uh, a game changer award. Mm-hmm. Just, we feel like turn the tide of the game somehow. And we gave it to those three guys that got that turnover in the red zone. Just a, just a huge play. You know, and and it would have been interesting to see had they taken a lead, how our guys would have responded, and I hope they would have responded in a positive way. But you know, uh, just getting that turnover was was huge, kind of lifted lifted everybody, and because uh, we didn't have a very good third quarter, you know, yeah. offensively it wasn't very good, and I think that was something that sparked us, and offense kind of got rolling after that. So like I kind of mentioned already, 45-20, to 20, you got the victory. I guess uh, did, did the kids give you a nice little Gatorade bath afterward, or I guess what was kind of the, the reward for you for, for your first victory? <laughs> no, they were good. I, I think uh, I think they uh, – I think we're all on the same page. They didn't want to freeze you, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a little bit of that. But, yeah. you know, they. I think they've got big goals down the road. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't – you know, we don't necessarily measure success based on wins and losses or mm-hmm. how far we get or this and that. But at the same time, I think they're a pretty focused group. And, you know, we kind of had to tell them in the locker room, it, it's enjoy it and, and mm-hmm. be happy when you win. And it wasn't like they were down in the locker room, but yeah. they kind of had a business-like approach about it and, and wanted to win and uh, thought they prepared to win. So, just just wanted to make sure that they knew winning's not easy. Winning's hard. Every you know, everybody's preparing and so when you win, have fun, enjoy it, no matter I think I told them, you know, as an offensive coordinator, I always told myself, if we won a football game three to two, I'm gonna be happy. Uh <laughs> you know, we yeah. we better know we better get to work that next week, but I'm gonna be happy. I'm never gonna be mad about a loss and so I think uh Probably a little bit. It was that pressure relief off of them. They they really didn't know how to celebrate it. But uh, mm-hmm. I think from here on out, we'll do a little bit more celebrating after wins. Well, certainly, as you mentioned, there's going to be a business like approach as y'all uh, take on Coronado in that second uh, game of the of the football season. I guess what are y'all kind of expecting from Coronado? Certainly, a, 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 a inter intertown uh, matchup as Woodrow isn't too far from Lubbock, and certainly it's going to be a, a crazy one as you guys kind of welcome kind of welcome them uh, to your stadium. Yeah, uh, you know, this game is always emotional on both sides. I mean, kids know each other. They, yep. They've grown up with each other. And, you know, there's, you know, we, we want our kids staying off the social media stuff with it. But you know that there's probably some fun trash talk going on. That's just that's just a rivalry game. That's the way it goes. Um, but we're uh, – at the same time, you know, we know it's a, a really good football team coming. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think 
what a lot of people don't understand is how good Estacado is too. Oh, you know? absolutely. That was a really good game. And <laughs> yeah. They, you know, everybody gets a, the really good teams get a lot better week one to week two. So yep. we know how much better Coronado is going to be. We know they're going to be ready to go. And we also know, you know, last year was just one of those games that could have gone either way, a play mm-hmm. here or there. And, you know, could have gone a different way and then last time they came over here two years ago they they whipped us pretty good by about three or four touchdowns so um our kids know know what coronado brings and how tough it's going to be and i think year in year out what we see from them is just how well coached they are i mean they they're fundamentally sound offensively and defense and you know their offense gets a lot of credit and it should you know they, they produce quarterbacks and receivers that just put up crazy numbers but their defense year in year out is very sound um and very aggressive they put some guys on that defensive line that are athletic and really really hard to block a lot of times they don't have to blitz the house every time because their defensive line is so aggressive and so good and so we know it's a challenge uh i think our kids you know the biggest deal is that we don't make the game too big have fun with it you have fun with a packed house and um you know it's a it's something that not everybody gets to experience, so we hope they enjoy it. Should certainly be a good one. It's going to happen at 7 p.m. on Friday night at uh, Pirate Stadium in Woodrow. Appreciate the time, Coach Darden. We'll uh, talk to you down the line, but certainly a, a big one for you, man. Hopefully uh, you, you'll be able to enjoy it. Uh, obviously you probably already kind of enjoyed it, at least for the 24 hours you can. But, uh, <laughs> but, but again, appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak to us on the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Talk to you all next week.